0: Have you ever thought about how valuable it would be to get career advice from a top executive? Have you ever wondered what management really thinks about diversity? Join us as our C-Suite guest shares with our Latino community their unique insights on professional development and diverse leadership. Welcome to C-Suite, the show that combines surprising leadership insights with a focus on diversity. I'm Joe Kwan, the Connection Counselor and VP of Board Development for Alpha New Jersey. Today, we have a thoughtful guest, Carlos Santiago, VP Head of Americas for GlaxoSmithKline. Carlos began his career in GlaxoSmithKline as a site utilities engineer at their manufacturing facility in Puerto Rico. With more than 12 years at GlaxoSmithKline, he held several roles of increasing responsibility in both the global manufacturing and supply, as well as the real estate and facilities organization. Carlos led the Hispanic Latino employee network, Conexión Latina, which was recognized by Diversity Best Practices in 2018 for their work and impact on hurricane relief efforts in Puerto Rico. His different roles have allowed him to work in many locations, as well as travel to more than 30 countries in four continents. Carlos is part of the core tech advisory board. He is a graduate of the University of Puerto Rico with a Bachelor of Science in Electrical Engineering and holds an MBA from Universidad del Raba. When he is not working, he enjoys reading, traveling, and running. Carlos is married to Lourdes and has three children, Noah, Gabriela, and Carlos, Jr., Welcome, Carlos. In this exact moment, how are you feeling? How's your energy? How's your outlook?
1: So I think my energy is uh, pretty great after that uh, amazing introduction. Thank you, Joseph. And thank you for the invite to, um, to spend some time with you today and the audience. Um, yeah, I think um, 2021 is a challenging year, right? It, it's, uh, and it's, it's, it's difficult to say that after 2020, but I think 2021 has its unique challenges Um, as we're trying to go um, back to normal, right? So I think um, I'm energized and I'm positive around the outlook for the world in terms of getting back to normal or whatever normal is going to be post-pandemic, but also extremely busy. There's a lot going on uh, at work, at personal. So there's so much that we're doing nowadays, right? There's so much um, involvement um, and, and I think the, the, the world has definitely changed, right? What I thought I was going to be working on in 21, two years ago, is not definitely what I'm working on. So I think I, I'm very positive about the outlook of where we're going. I'm very busy. I think everyone is very busy. Uh, but to be quite honest, full of, full of energy for what this uh, year or the rest of the, this year is going to bring.
0: Yeah, fantastic. What you're saying about the change and sort of the, no one could have predicted how things would be over the last year, I think totally resonates with me and, and other people and, and a lot of it. And and thank you for sharing your perspective is our sort of outlook, mm-hmm. right? Like, like how do we deal with that accept it, or some people refuse to accept mm-hmm. it and, uh, you know, navigate through that. So thank you. Perfect. All right. So, um, let's learn a little bit more about Carlos. So I always like to find out from guests, not just what you do, but what is the unique value you provide? That thing that has really kind of been consistent throughout your career.
1: If I think about it, um, I've had a number of different roles. I think it's close to probably 10 roles in 15 years in, in the pharma industry across two companies. Um, I think, these cross-cultural awareness, right? So for example, if I pick a one thing, I've held a number of roles, maybe three within that have regional responsibilities for Latin America. And the way for me to do that, or the way way in which i position myself to successfully do those roles is basically because of my heritage, right? My background, you know, the the fact that I'm Puerto Rican, I know Spanish, I know Latin America and um, using that, as a as a tool right to me that's 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 the differentiator right and sometimes we struggle with identity, to be quite honest, when when you move into the mainland US right and you have, in some cases other people were raised here, but when you're definitely not from the majority let's call it that it is it is difficult. To, and you str- most people struggle with identity, right? How do I make sure that I fit in and all these different things? You almost go back to high school, right? You want to fit in. Um, and I think one of those things where sometimes it's good to stand out is that, that differentiator. And for me, that's been the fact that I'm Latino, right? I've been able to use that through work, through my personal connection, through the work that I've done with the uh, ERGs, Right to make sure that, that that makes me stand out from others, right? And it's been it's made me very successful. Like I said, in the last two roles I've had regional responsibilities for Latin America. And now my current role is bigger. So I have the all of the all of the Americas. But I've always been in and out of Latam. That's always been part of my resume, right? You will see the roles, every other role I'll be in and out of Latam. And I think having that knowledge and having that understanding, that cultural awareness um and cultural sensitivity is a huge differentiator and if you think start thinking about how you know in the future how in the US right the biggest growing minority in the US is is Latinos or the Latinx right so they're they're the biggest cohort within the millennials they're the biggest growing minority so if you think about it right we are we are at an inflection point where we really can take advantage of that and and leverage what sometimes in the past we kind of try to put aside and not focus so much on. Now we're putting it front and center to say, look, I'm Latino. I'm Latina. I, you know, I know more than one language. I know the culture, right. Leverage that. And you can see it more and more in corporate America where you start seeing um, either markets that specifically we want to have people that are bilingual and not only bilingual, right. I'm, I'm starting to see more, um, Cultural awareness. Right. So people that know the culture. So it's not only knowing the language. You need right. to know the culture as well. That I think will dictate success. It, so I think for me, right, that's been a big differentiator. It's, it's, it's not, not shying away from it, but putting it front and center to say, look, this is the value I bring. And that's what differentiates me from the rest.
0: Yeah, I, I I think there's something value, very valuable in what you're sharing there, uh, Carlos, especially for our audience. And it's interesting to me. I had a conversation recently with my wife about the difference between, especially if you're from another country and you're you know not part of the majority. There's a big difference in perspective where some are more about assimilation, right? Mm-hmm. So they don't want to highlight the things that are different for them for them maybe they want to downplay them right so they can be more mm-hmm. like in high school one of the crowd mm-hmm. and versus what you're saying which is more integration right you bring the best of both worlds cuz people like you and me we, we are in both worlds right like mm-hmm. we're not in Puerto Rico all the time i'm not in korea where my parents came from mm-hmm. we're in americas but how do we integrate without losing yeah. that advantage so i i really yeah. uh, love that answer carlos
1: Yeah, and I think it's it's a struggle. I don't I don't I don't think there's a right answer. Um, And I will say that when I moved to the US, I tried to assimilate. It was easier. It's always easier. Always. Um. But but you kind of get lost in it, and then you realize that maybe it's maturity, maybe it's age, experience, whatever you want to call it. We want to put it front and center versus kind of downplaying it. Um, And I think it's a different point for some people. My daughter is 12. She was born in Puerto Rico, but raised in the U.S. And at her age, she already knows very clear who she is, right? Maybe it took me a little bit longer, right? <laughs> um, but but she she already knows and is very clear who she is. So I think, like I said, it, it it depends on each people, each person, each each of their experiences. But it's really important that we get there.
0: Yeah. So I found it so interesting what you said about. Um, it not just being language, it's, it's also knowing culture. And I figured if I could drill down even more specifically, it's, mm-hmm. it's about individual people, right? So um, would be really uh, curious to find out from your perspective as a leader, what is it that never fails to surprise you about people? Um, I think
1: the resilience. Um, I've loved, I love leading people. I really do. I've I've always. It's interesting because most, some people don't like to lead, um, or or manage people, right? And they see it as managing people. I don't see it as managing people. I see it as leading people, and I enjoy it. I really do. Um, and I think what doesn't surprise, what what continues to surprise me is once once you have the right culture environment within your team, that will do. They'll, they'll do whatever, right? They'll do it for you, right? And mm-hmm. their resilience, you'll ask more of them. And sometimes I feel like I shouldn't be asking more, right, of them. And I take on some more myself and they'll come to me and I say, why are you doing that, right? We'll pick it up. You don't need to be doing that. So I think it's their resilience. I think everyone has, has the potential to do great things. I think the difference is, are they motivated and engaged to do so, right? And I think that's where leaders um, need to play a a big part. And I think, to be quite honest, this is where diverse leaders are needed, right? When you have a diverse leader, then you'll have a diverse workforce, hence an engaged workforce, because everyone feels like they're part of the team. And I think that, to me, is key. And that's why I put so much effort into it, being a diverse leader, to ensure that my team has the support, has, there's the engagement, the motivation, and to be quite honest, there's the right representation so that we have a very balanced team. And and I think to me, once you do that, once you you spend the time and energy to create that, they'll do, they'll, they'll run through walls, they'll do everything and, and, and they'll do it as a team, right? And I think that doesn't like I said, my team over the last 18 months managing COVID, you know, M team sites, now bringing people back at the site, their level of resilience to be able to do that and, and operate a site that used to have thousands of people. And then now it's less than a thousand. is amazing. Right. And, and, and the response in terms of how quickly they did it and how quickly they can turn the switch back on and say, okay, we're going to bring them all back. So I think, like I said, I, I had nothing but a lot of praise for my team, a lot of praise for people in general and the people at GSK. So I think I, my view is right. Is is the resilience of people, no matter what's happening, both in the world and their and at work or at home, because there's been a lot of uh, very impactful things happening and, and you know impacting people's lives over the last eighteen months. But they still show up to work. They still do what they need to do. It's just, I, I'm just amazed, and that's why I love leading people.
0: Yeah, I love that. And and what really resonates with me, Carlos, about what you're saying is you know, you're kind of highlighting the environment as well that leaders mm-hmm. can create. It's not always about skills development. It's it's mm-hmm. not always about performance managing a person. Sometimes it's just setting the right frame and that like that sense of belonging that, that mm-hmm. like, I love your analogy, people will run through walls, right? If you have a leader mm-hmm. that you feel has got your back, then you will run through a wall for them.
1: Mm-hmm. I agree, I agree. And I think that's the piece where, I always give the benefit of the doubt to people, meaning, okay, what have we done either as an organization, as a leader, as a company, that they're doing that. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's not, you know, oh, they did it, you know, as a bad apple, it's more around, why are they doing that? Right. Did, did we create the environment that enable that? And I think that's the piece where I do believe that um, leaders, we need to do more. We need to be more visible. We need to be more accessible um, and to be quite honest, we need to spend a lot more time on team engagement. And I do spend a, a, an inordinate amount of time on team engagement and motivation um, because I want to make sure that the team gets everything they need. It's not just about are you going to hit the objective, yes or no. And then the next time we talk, are you going to hit the objective? And sometimes it feels like that. I've had bosses that it's been like that. Sure, it's more around how are you doing and what are we doing. How do we, you know, what do we need to do more of, right? How can I support you? Um, and then trusting people that they'll get the work done, but we just need to make sure we're helping them get the work done. So yeah, that's 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 like I said, people are amazing. I think, um, I think, but leaders need a bigger role in how they create those culture and environments.
0: Absolutely fantastic. Now, um, folks in the audience, uh, you know, they are ambitious, they're trying to do their best to succeed, to provide for themselves and, and for their families. Um, however, sometimes we start to go down the wrong track, right? We, we may hear something, take it the wrong way, we may get some bad advice, or even come up with our own kind of skewed way of thinking about things. What have you found that a lot of people get wrong about how to succeed?
1: So, um... Okay, so I'll share what I think, right? With my yeah, opinion, right? Please, share please. My opinion. And I'll no. share my experience. So when I, I've been in the, in the pharma industry 15 years and, and for all intended purposes, I've been very successful in that time. So I, I'm, you know, I'm not gonna say I, I don't work hard, I'm not talented or anything, but I, there's been a lot of luck involved as well, right? So I do acknowledge that. Um, that being said, for the first few years, maybe the first half of my career, um maybe not quite half, but i was chasing something right meaning i was chasing the definition of success let's put it that way so i would go to a senior leader within the organization i was in and say if i want i want your job right how did you get there right and and obviously you start working on this template right and in this checklist but depending on who you ask the answer is going to change Mm-hmm. And, and so, if you keep doing that, you're going to chase your tail, right? And, and you won't necessarily get there. So, one of these leaders once, and I still remember the conversation, it was in London. We were in a conference room, and I asked flat out, I want your job. And he said, I can tell you how I got here. But what I will say is, I had, I had the right experience at the right time for what the company needed and that's why I'm in this job. Hmm. So, and then he took me through his whole journey and I read it and I understood what he meant. I didn't need to do what he did, right? I needed to do what I need to do. Um, And yeah, I might get there, or I might not, but it will be on my own terms. I had to take my own journey. And I think the traditional way of development would be, you know, you get this and okay, you're going to do this role for X amount of years, this role for so there's a, like a, a, a checklist. And the reality is there's no guarantee that that will work for each person, right? It worked for that person, but it, there's no guarantee it will work for you. So once I realized that I, I basically took development and my growth in my own hands, and said, you know what, I'm going to do this my way. So I started doing a lot of work around understanding my options, how I could get there, and um, and I will say I've taken an unorthodox uh, journey to success, uh-huh. um, but I got there. So so it's I want people to understand that you make your your journey of success is your journey of success. Yes, you can ask other people how did you get there, what, but don't ask because you want to know which steps you need to take to understand what they learn along the way. What are those key learnings that they took that you can build into your development plan to get there? And, um, and I think that's what I took. And after I did that, to be quite honest, I move a lot faster, right? Mm-hmm. One, I was more confident in what I brought to the table. And in my view, I wasn't you know, negotiating, well, but I've done this, why don't you count? I'm like, no, th- this is what I want, This and this is why. So I started moving in different parts of the organization and to be quite honest, moving faster. And one of those things that sometimes gets, um, there's this, you know, huge thing on is, you know, you need to be in a role three to five years. You need to be in a role three to five. And we, I used to hear that all the time. And I'm like, if, if everyone needs to be in a role three to five years, then CEOs for most companies will be a hundred years old.
0: (laughs) Right. I love that.
1: And they are not. Yeah. They're not. They're mostly in their 40s and 50s. Right. So, so let's stop that there. Right. I do acknowledge that we need to have the right time in each role to get the, what we need for our development purposes. Right. So, so jumping from role to role too quick is not good ever. But the reality is you don't need to be in three to five roles for every role, maybe for a few roles, but for others, you just need to be there two years and then move on. Right. So you know I've been like I said, 15 years and I've had close to 10 jobs. You do the math, that's not three to five years per role. Mm-hmm. So I think that's the other piece that I, I was I was struggling with to say, well mm-hmm. if I'm not three to five years in this job, then I won't be considered for the next one. And I started being looking at everyone that sits at the top of the house. I'm like, they haven't been three to five years they haven't been. So you see their journey and it doesn't apply. So So my view, and to be honest, When you start, no one knows you're gonna be a CEO 20 years later, right? So it can't be like, oh, you're gonna be a CEO, you're 22, we know you're gonna be a CEO, so you're not gonna spend three to five years in every role, we're gonna move you faster. That happens later on. Yeah. So I think, to me, the biggest learning is your journey to success and your career is your own. Ask people, get their advice, get their learnings, learn from it, get some good coaches and some good mentors, right? And then just work on your plan. Right. And, and success can come in many different ways. And the one thing I would say, success is not linear. You're going to move around a bit. And if you're willing to do that, then you'll be successful. And I think that's, that's the one thing I could share about uh, my journey to
0: success. Amazing. Amazing. And, you know, I, I think it's kind of interesting, you know, the whole three to five year thing, it's, it's so arbitrary. And, and I'm just guessing when you get that response, it's from people who, are taking three to five years between roles. Like that's not the advice from the person who shoots straight up the organization, right? Because they know that's that's not necessarily true. Correct. Absolutely. Great. Well, let's widen the circle a bit and proceed to the shout out. Uh, who is a leader who is passionate about diversity uh, that you think people should know more about?
1: Um, so I'll give i uh, I'll give a shout out. So, uh, maya martinez davis she's the president of uh, u.s pharma for gsk and she's tr- she truly is an amazing leader um big big on diversity and inclusion right it's, it's a true passion of hers um and in in the time i've known her she's always taking the time to speak with the rgs uh speak at different events always highlighting the importance of having a diverse workforce right and how and how it how has shaped her career as well, uh, being a, a Latina, right? How has shaped her career? How has made her success? When using those experiences to kind of share with others, um, so she truly is a magnificent leader. She's really good at what she does, um, but also takes the time to really drive the importance of why we need to do this. Um, so, so I, I always I've worked with her now for about uh, eighteen months. And, and like I said, um, always has the time to support the ERGs, Hispanic Heritage Month, any of these events, and always very open to share her experience and how we can learn from her experience. Right. So I think that's, an, you know, for those of you who know GSK or maybe you don't, maybe uh, look go into our website and you can read a little bit about our leadership and she's um, she's there.
0: Yeah, well, I'm sure she'll be uh, very appreciative that you uh, shouted her out and, and thank you for sharing that. Uh, with our audience, um, one thing that I love about talking to leaders um, like yourself, Carlos, is uh, it being very clear that diversity is not just about having different types of people, mm-hmm. right? It's, it's about the connection. It's about the inclusion. It's about the business advantages that you get from having people who can see things in more than just one narrow way. Um, and I really love having the opportunity for you to discuss some of those aspects from your own career.
1: Yeah, so um, it's it's just interesting. The business case around diversity is already mm-hmm. done. <laughs> we don't need to do the business case, right? So, so you know, if you look at entertainment, sports, all these different industries, right? As soon as they diversified, they they blew up, right? Um, so the business case is done. We've seen it. We've seen companies do very well when they have an engaged workforce and they have a diverse workforce. Um, so I think it's it's more around um, making sure we're not we're not selling. We don't need to sell, you know, the business case around diversity. Mm-hmm. That's that's done. I don't. I never talk about someone about the benefits of diversity or anything like that. Mm-hmm. And it's it's a bit weird because I say no, we don't. That discussion is over. We you know <laughs> we've had that discussion. <laughs> this is about how do we get it done. Yeah. How do we get it done so that we have the right representation that 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 represents the the patients that we're looking to serve, that represents our workforce. And, and to be honest, a lot around where do we see ourselves is very depending on role modeling. So for example, if we see diversity at the top of the house, the first thing you think of is if he or she made it, or if they made it then I can right? That's the first thing you think of. I am, I'm the first engineer in my family, right? I'm the first engineer, there was no other engineers. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until my mom started um, sharing with her some of her work friends that are, were engineers and my dad did the same that I took an interest into engineering ah. because there were those role models. So, so it's so critical that we have that because it enables people to, the entire workforce to really believe and be engaged and understand aspirations yes. and i think that to me is the power the real power of diversity and how it can trigger a number of things to propel a business is is people will understand that i'm here and i can be the leader if i wanted to of the entire company or i can continue doing my role if i wanted to but there's the possibility Yes, And I think that, that to me is, is key. So I think that, you know, in my opinion, right, we, we, we shouldn't be talking about the benefits of diversity. That's done. To me, that, that's, that's an old conversation. We should be talking about how do we get it? How do we get it done, right? How do we become competitive and attractive to the diverse workforce uh, so that we can have better representation? Because that's as the, the vice president said and, and, and the president, right? representation matters it really yeah. does right yeah. and i think that's what we need to focus on now is how do we increase our representation right and how do we do it in a way in which we're also working on the inclusive of our inclusivity of our environment because there's there's a thing around bringing diversity but if you're not if you if they have to behave like the majority to be successful then you did nothing don't yeah. leave it's about how do you bring them in and allow them to be their true selves because only then they'll provide the value that diversity brings.
0: 100%. Well, Carlos, it's been a real pleasure talking to you today. I've learned so much about different perspectives on success and culture and inclusion uh, representation. How can people connect to learn more about you or GSK?
1: Uh, yeah, so um, if you're interested in GSK, please go to our website, uh, gsk.com. There's a lot of information around our therapeutic areas, what we focus on, our, the, the future, and our leadership. So feel free to go in either to our LinkedIn channel or, or our website to learn more information. Um, and then I'm on LinkedIn. Um, so if you want to reach out, please look me up, Carlos Santiago. Um, I'm sure there's a bunch of Carlos Santiago's, but uh, I'm the one who works for GSK. So (laughs) try to look me up and um, and I'm happy to
0: connect. Thank you, Carlos, for being our guest on C-Suite, the show that combines surprising leadership insights with a focus on diversity.
1: Thank you, Joseph.
0: Thank you for listening to C-Suite. Alpha's purpose is connecting Latino leaders for impact. To learn more, go to alpha.org you enjoyed this episode, please leave a review or share with a trusted friend or colleague. Remember, with the right perspective, amazing things can happen.